Well, there is a bit more of a risk-positive mood out there today, driven by China, in part because they've dropped their reserve requirements, but more likely because of talk of more to come, perhaps in the way of a sizable fiscal stimulus, that long-awaited fiscal stimulus. Plus, moves in Japanese bond yields. We'll look at that too. The ECB tomorrow, a day after falls in PMIs. And the Bank of Canada, they've finished with rate rises. They've reached the top of Table Mountain. But for how long? It's Thursday, the 25th of January, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a 0.3% fall in the US dollar today with a quarter percent rise in the euro and in the pound. The Aussie dollar has also fallen. It's down 0.1% to below 65.8 US cents. But it's the Japanese yen which has gained the most. It's up half a percent today. It was up even higher earlier. The US stock market has been back on the rise across all indices with new highs again. But the Dow switched from the green to the red late in the trading day. So it closed down 0.3%. The S&P staying only just in the green, less than 0.1% up. The Nasdaq, which had been well over 1%, finished the session less than 0.4% up. Uh, And while we're on stocks, we can tell you Tesla Q4 earnings, revenue of 25.17 billion against 25.87 billion expected. So that's a miss. EPS coming in at 71 cents against an expected 73. Margins are down, and as a result, their shares are down, over 5% down early on in after-hours trade. And earlier today, at close in Europe, the Euro stocks 50, up 2 0.2%, 0.2%, 1.6% for the DAX and 0.6% for the FTSE 100. Bond yields were fairly placid, but a bit of late movement. So now a five basis point rise for 10-year treasuries, a 3% fall for German 10-year bunds. Aussie 10 years finished up four basis points yesterday at 4.23%. A couple of uh, basis points higher than that on futures this morning. But Japanese 10-year bonds are up five basis points today they actually got over 0.73 percent which is the highest this year i think but remember of course they did just get a couple of basis points below one percent early in november when there was a lot of talk about uh, the possibility of rate rises well that talk is back today we'll talk about that this morning and a rise in oil one percent up for brent over 80 a barrel 1.4 percent for wti which is over 75 uh, there was a build a bit of a build-up in inventories in the u.s overnight that might have driven some of that but let's start in Japan. We will talk about China, but let's start in Japan with NAB's Rodrigo Catrill in Sydney. Uh, so the Bank of Japan, uh, obviously we heard from them yesterday, uh, but they didn't lift rates. There was talk that maybe they will at some point, but markets have obviously been speculating on that. So is that what's been driving bond yields up so much? I mean, we also saw a, a bit of surprise in the balance of trade, didn't we? A bigger than expected rebound in exports and a bigger than expected fall in imports. So a trade surplus that, that wasn't expected. But I'm um, guessing it's more about the about the bosh than the balance of trade yes uh, morning phil um so we had yesterday we had that uh, bank of japan meeting and of course uh the press conference afterwards and and i think that the market has been or took a little while to digest what governor ueda was sort of hinting uh or, or if you like the underlying message um um, and then, of course, we saw that reaction in the, in the uptick in, in 10-year JGB yields uh, uh, during our Asia time yesterday. Um, um, so it, what I think is significant is that the governor not only talked about the idea that in April we will have that information or possibly we'll have enough information in terms of wages to make a policy decision. Um, but I think that what the market um, sort of 
digested and, and discussed afterwards, and, and hence the reaction in yields, was that he also hinted at the idea that uh, not only will be a discussion around uh, the start of a movement in, in, in policy, in other words, moving away from uh, negative rates, but also the idea that it could be several or more than one uh, interest rate hikes to follow. Um, and that's where the market sort of caught, caught the idea and said, okay, cool, this is actually more meaningful. Um, and he really does mean business. So um, there's a lot of caveats, of course, in terms of, of the message. Um, we do need to see that information in wages and also that information needs to be in line with what the, the governor wants, in other words, much or significantly higher wages growth. Um, whilst at the same time, uh, they also need to you know, have more confidence that the, the inflation outlook will continue to improve. So in particular, we need to see that 2025 fiscal year inflation number shifting towards that, um, that 2%. So we are 1.8 now. Uh, so if it gets to 1.9, 2%, that probably will give them enough uh, reasons to, to move. So um, certainly a, a significant move in the context of how, how you know, 10-year JGB's yields move. So five to six basis point move is, is significant. Um, and, and it's has favored the dollar yen. So we've seen the yen uh, move below 148 to 147.45. Um, and then, um, but still it's important to, to bear in mind, we're still talking about, you know, not significant moves in terms of interest rates, but certainly what is material is to move away from interest rate, negative interest rates. Doesn't have to go far, does it really, to get out of negative territory. So what about uh, China then? Uh, we had the announcement of a half percent cut in the minimum reserve requirements, uh, the pushing on a string policy. Uh, so, but I mean, obviously, I mean, it convinced the investors in the Hang Seng because that was up 3.6% yesterday. So somebody was impressed. Uh, although maybe, I mean, maybe that is because there's in the background, there's more talk of perhaps a more full on stimulus package, which presumably means some sort of fiscal stimulus, which we've been hanging on for. Yeah. So there's there's a few things here to highlight. One, uh, it's quite unusual for the PBOC to make this, this announcement. Um, typically, you wait for you know, their scheduled meetings and also the cabinet tends to make some hints about what's going to happen beforehand. Um, and then, mm-hmm. so there's a surprise element to this and also the magnitude of the reserve cut ratio um, in the past or recent past have been 25 basis points. Uh, this time was 50, so it was a bit more possible. But the point about pushing on a string though, I mean, if people don't want to borrow, they don't want to borrow. It's not going to make any difference. Yes. So, so in terms of what does this mean? It means there's an, an increase in supply of lending. Uh, and that increase in liquidity also should lower their uh, lending rates. Um, but then the question is, well, what is the problem here? Do we have a, a lack of you know, supply or is it a lack of demand? And clearly the issues around the lack of demand, the consumer is very subdued, corporates are also very subdued because they're very concerned about the growth outlook. Um, and then there's this, there, there are several structural issues going on here where, you know, the Chinese economy is really growing or is being powered by a government fiscal expenditure directed to the industrial sector. Um, but the property sector is still showing no signs of, of stabilizing. We're seeing a continuation of declining sales and prices. Um, and, and that is also affecting the, the consumer, which has become very anemic and concerned and reserved. Um, so those structural issues need to be resolved. And as you say, uh, a shift in terms of that fiscal stimulus towards a little bit more support to um, the consumer in particular uh, will be or is the element uh, that is that is missing at the moment. Um, at, at the same time, um, you know, when we put these things into magnitude, you know, the, the reserve requirement ratio and it, the impact on rates is probably going to lower them by, you know, 15 basis points. 
Um, so it's not it's not like a huge rate cut, if you like, uh, to stimulate the economy. So um, overall, the, the what is also important, the governor made a reference to the currency, which is quite unusual as well. And he also highlighted how, again, the concern of the stability of the yuan is important, and also that the you know having significant rate cuts will be destabilizing for for the for the currency. So the expectations that the Fed will be easing this year will allow and give more room for, for the PBOC to ease as well. So more to come, in other words. So PMIs, uh, we so services sliding a, a, a bit further in the euro area from 48.8 to 48.4. In Germany, it went from 49.3 to 47.6. Uh, but German manufacturing uh, is up a little bit. The UK services are up a bit as well. Actually, uh, well into expansion territory, 53.8 compared to 47.6, which is the uh, services number for Germany. So... Generally, though, for the euro area, not so good. So more fuel for the discussion about, you know, which is what we were having yesterday, about whether the uh, ECB really can hold off till summer to cut rates. Yeah, that's right. I think that the major takeaways there have been the, a little bit of contrasting fortunes, if you like. German PMIs still very underwhelming in particular. You know, we've seen the, you know, the services sector going, going down whilst in, in the UK, you know, and we've got to remember the UK economy is really about services. It's actually pretty buoyant at 53.8. So um, talks of recession, if you like, are around the UK um, seem difficult to, to argue when you look at the PMIs, whilst an extension of, you know, a very like lustrous performance by Germany uh, seems to be the case, which is the growth engine for Europe. So overall, it, it just puts a little bit more pressure on this idea that if you see inflation declining, um, which is what we expect, then, you know, the ECB can't afford to wait till the summer in order to introduce those rate cuts. Yeah, uh, with this, particularly with no one borrowing anything. So, and US PMIs, yeah. meanwhile, all looking good. So manufacturing has gone from 47.9 to 50.3, so back into expansionary territory. Services from 51.4 to 52.9, heading in the right direction. Yeah, heading in the right direction. And more importantly as well, or just as importantly, We've seen those details around selling prices also to the lowest levels in, I think, three and a half years. So it's mm. it's all looking good in terms of that resilience uh, and uh, exceptionalism in terms of U.S. performance alongside a decline or expected decline in, in inflation. So it's, it's kind of the perfect formula, if you like. Um, so it's, it's still pretty good and, and, and plays to the idea that, you know, this outperformance that we've seen in, in recent times of the U.S. economy potentially will extend into Q1 and Q2. Well, we get a bit of uh, U.S. data as well, don't we? Including GDP for Q4 tomorrow morning, 4.9% last quarter, quarter on quarter, uh, which is going some, isn't it? Plus durable goods orders as well. And the core PCE number for the quarter we get tomorrow, but of course the more important number is the uh, the one for the month, the monthly number, which we get on Friday, which of course we know is the number that the Fed likes to use as its gauge for inflation. So possibly the most important number of the week. Yes. Um, uh, so a couple of things to point out there. In terms of the GDP number, the market is looking for a 2% outcome. Um, you know, Tapas likes to remind us that trend growth in the US is around one8 um, but the mm. Atlanta Fed GDP, which has been pretty good, uh, the GDP now the now cast number is is being pretty good at, at sort of pinning the number and suggesting a two point four outcome. So if we have a growth number above two percent, um, it's telling us that the economy is growing comfortably above trend, um, and it's also telling us that um, you know it, you know maybe 
uh, there's a re- there needs to be a reassessment of where that trend level is. Uh, also, you know, to, to what point we have this inflationary pressure. So maybe the neutral level is also high in the US as well. So a lot to be discussed there in terms of what, what the numbers mean. Uh, but at the same time, as you say, we might get a bit of a hint or we should get a hint in terms of what to expect of the PCE number with the quarterly reading as well, which is expected to be around 2%. We also get the weekly jobless claims number uh, tonight as well from the United States. I and mean, we've been watching that fairly closely over you know the last year or so. Do we need to watch it quite so closely? Because it seems irrespective of what's happening in terms of the tightness of the labour market, market. Uh, I mean, the, the US economy, inflation seems to be coming down. I mean, you know, they may be reaching that Goldilocks situation. Inflation comes down without really impinging too much on jobs growth. Typically, weakness in the labor market comes, uh, you know, with jobless claims rising and, and they're not rising at all. So the labor market remains well resilient. People remain employed. There's no hints that there's a huge um, amount of and layoffs coming. Uh, there have been some headlines of particularly tech companies. eBay is cutting 9% of employees. Uh, they, they announced that yesterday. So there's some evidence that some of that is happening. Um, but for the broad economy, uh, those sort of macro indicators are still not saying that this is significant enough to suggest that we will see an acceleration in in the, the rise in unemployment, which has been very, very gradual so far. Now, we had the Bank of Canada overnight. It kept its policy rate on hold for the fourth time in a row. And, you know, the implications were that they aren't going to rise again. Actually, I mean, this is really the first time they said it quite so explicitly. I mean, Tiff Macklem said, if the economy evolves broadly in line with the projection that we published today, I expect future discussions will be about how long we maintain the policy rate at 5%, rather than talking about the potential for rises. And when he was drawn on, well, in that case, when a cut's going to happen, he said it would be false precision uh, to start speculating on that. So, uh, but, you know, it's, yeah. the, the, however long they're there, they're at 5%, it's not going to go any higher. Yeah, I think that the main takeaway there is that uh, the Bank of Canada has moved away from an explicit tightening bias, where they were still saying, well, we're at 5%, but we might have to hike because inflation is still looking mm. sticky. Whereas now we're looking, if you like, a neutral bias. We're saying, yep, we're not going to hike, but uh, we're also not going to cut anytime soon. Um, um, but certainly, you know, the market is seeing this as a signal that now you move into a neutral bias and, and the next move should be a rate cut rather than a, um, sorry, yeah, a rate cut rather than a hike. So, um, uh, it's the it's step in the right direction, if you like. Uh, and importantly, when you look at the currencies, CAD has been the early G10 underperformer uh, today uh, in, a, in a scenario where risk appetite uh, and, you know, the news coming from China has seen the US dollar um, broadly weaker. So it just tells you that the market's now starting to think, OK, cool, uh, the, the Bank of Canada is going to be another one that will be cutting potentially in the second half of this year. And uh, we had New Zealand's uh, inflation yesterday morning exactly on market expectations. But I mean, you know, still up there at 4.7% year on year. Yeah, but importantly, the, the number came well below what the RBNZ was, was talking. And, and remember, the RBNZ has been another bank that has retained that tightening bias. Um, but our colleagues in New Zealand mm. continue to say now that the inflation is falling a lot faster than what the bank uh, is expecting. And in fact, those, that's kind of one of the key messages that uh, you take away from yesterday. Um, and at the same time, uh, the, the, the RBN said has also been focusing a lot on non-tradables inflation. And we've seen again, it, it declined that it's been quite material. 
um, which paints to the idea that at least, just like the Bank of Canada, they are being said, should be shifting away from its tightening bias to a more neutral bias. Uh, and indeed, given how weak the economy is going, um, you know, more declines in inflation should be expected, um, allowing the RBNZ to start talking about rate cuts uh, again in the second half of this year. Well, look, there's uh, nothing locally today, is there? Obviously, apart from getting down to the fish markets to get stuff at the Barbie tomorrow. But uh, in Europe, <laughs> uh, the German IFO reading after that slower PMI reading. So is it going to show the same story? And uh, we've mentioned the ECB. That is early tomorrow. Summer, of course, is when Christine Lagarde is saying that there will be cuts i don't think it's weather dependent she's not going to delay if it's a late summer uh but as we're saying maybe it could be could be sooner uh i'm not sure whether we'll get much out of that and of course u.s earnings season continues unabated as well talk to the talk about that in just a second but for now good to talk rodrigo thanks phil cheers well we gave you the tesla earnings uh, earlier on in the podcast we don't have them for ibm but they are coming out after close in the u.s which has just happened uh so comcast intel caterpillar and amex also later on in the week so uh, lots going on in the u.s earnings season we are not on tomorrow we're off for australia day and our weekend edition is out today we're going to be talking about shares on that here and in the united states with nab trades Gemma dale that's out this afternoon from wherever you got this podcast from so i'll see you for that and i'll see you uh, on monday morning i'm phil dobby for nab thanks for joining us today see you soon